Will you now stand for the reading of the word? Later that day, when evening came, Jesus said to them, Let's cross over to the other side of the lake. They left the crowd and took him in the boat just as he was. Other boats followed along. Gale force winds arose and waves crashed against the boat so that the boat was swamped. But Jesus was in the rear of the boat sleeping on a pillow. They woke him up and said, Teacher, don't you care that we are drowning? He got up and gave orders to the wind, and he said to the lake, Silence! Be still! The wind settled down, and there was a great calm. Jesus asked them, Why are you frightened? Don't you have faith yet? Overcome with awe, they said to each other, Who then is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. It's the reading of God for the people of God, and God's people did say, The uncreative, the uncreative title for my sermon is Jesus Stops a Storm. I couldn't think of a title, so I just took the title out of the book. But then after we published the sermon title and we printed the guide, I came up with the creative title. The creative title for the sermon this morning is, I'm Taking an Uber. Turn to the person beside you and say, I'm Taking an Uber. In two weeks, Teresa and I will be taking our first cruise together. Something we have talked about doing for a long time. We've never had the time to do it. And also, honestly, I was too scared to go on a cruise. You see, I get very, very violently seasick. When I, when I was uh, in elementary school, when I was a teenager... I would go with my father and my grandfather down at the coast of Texas into the Gulf, down at Port Isabel near Brownsville, Texas, and we would go off the coast, uh, 30, 40 miles off the coast and catch red snapper and then come back and cook it. It was awesome. Never got seasick. And then in my late 30s, uh, I moved back to Houston and thought, let's do this again, and we invited a bunch of friends. Several of us went down, went off the coast went 30 or 40 miles off coast, and uh, a friend of mine named John was just absolutely sure that he was going to get seasick. And two to 300 you know, yards off, the, off the, the dock and out to, into the water, he got real quiet and got a little green. And I made the mistake of harassing him. He didn't get sick. But for the next eight hours, I thought there was no God. I don't know if it was God's punishment for uh, harassing my friend or it was just getting older. Uh, we went back the next year. I thought it was a fluke. And when the captain on the boat saw me, he said, I can't believe you came back after last year. He said, you thought you were sick then. You're going to get really sick this year because the waves are high. And he was right. It was a terrible experience. Now, I've been told that a cruise is completely different from being on a 22, 24-foot boat out in the middle of the Gulf. 
I've been told that the boat is so big that you never feel the waves. I understand they have stabilizers perhaps underneath the boat, and you could you know, go through stormy seas and never even feel the boat rock one time. And, oh, don't say that. <laughs> I've already paid for the trip. And you... And the cruise is all designed, uh, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to catch the fish. They bring you the fish. You know, everything is for your pleasure. Uh, the captain is on guard, you know, on board 24 hours a day, making sure that you have a safe and secure trip. He's got all the latest radar and technology to make sure that you can avoid big storms and high seas. And they bring you food. You get to sleep on the boat and comfortable cabins, you get to lay on cushioned chairs outside by the pool, and they bring little umbrellas and put them in your drinks, and then you get off on beautiful sandy beaches and excursions. It sounds wonderful. It sounds like a great experience. Now, if you've read the stories of Jesus when he gets in a boat, those stories are more deadliest catch than luxury cruise. Because every time you read a story of Jesus in the boat, when he gets in a boat, it's always something bad's going to happen. In Mark's gospel, he travels back and forth across the Sea of Galilee several times. And almost every single time, these experienced fishermen, experienced fishermen, think they're going to drown. One time, they find him sleeping in the boat. Another time, he's not even in the boat. Another time, he asks Peter to get out of the boat. All I know is that if Jesus ever says to me, David, let's go to the other side, I'm taking an Uber. I'm not ever going to get in the boat with Jesus. Because every time you get in the boat with Jesus to go somewhere, you can be guaranteed that you're going to encounter some sort of difficult passage going from one place to another with Jesus. Now, wouldn't it be great? If you could take an Uber around all the difficult, stormy parts of your life. Anybody here go to middle school? Yeah. Wouldn't it be great if you could take an Uber around middle school? I remember my son in sixth grade bought a Halloween costume for a Halloween party at Crosby. It was a football that blew up, and on the back of, his, on the back of it, it said, kick me. Bad idea. <laughs> Junior high is not fun. Wouldn't you love to be able to, in a 25-year marriage, be able to take an Uber around the difficult passages? Wouldn't you, in a job where you work and you find uh, it difficult and maybe you go through a season of unemployment, wouldn't you love to be able to take an Uber around those difficult things? In your own physical health, wouldn't you love to be able to take an Uber around chemotherapy, around a busted neck, around a broken leg, around some kind of hardship. The reality is we can't, we can't take an Uber because life is filled with difficult passages. We all know that. Every one of us in this room has clutched and hung onto a pillow in the middle of the night like a life preserver as the wind and the waves and the fear crashes against us. Ever make a difficult decision? It felt so good in the morning, and then in the middle of the night, wrestle with it. You can't take an Uber around the difficult passages of life. Now, you look at the story, and you got to go, I mean, at least a luxury cruise captain, you know, you feel like he's on deck all the time. He's looking out for your benefit, and you get to sleep in the boat. 
But when you travel with Jesus, you might find him asleep in the boat. But I will tell you, don't worry about it. A lot of people have questioned, why was Jesus asleep in the boat? Did it reflect his lack of concern? The disciples said, why, don't, why are you sleeping? Don't you care about us? We're going to drown. I think it was more of an indication he just needed a nap. He was still in the boat. And I think the fact that Jesus could sleep in the middle of a storm with a pillow under his head is an indication that he was not worried. That he's going to get you through what you're going through. Which leads me to wonder, what's ever going on in your life today, whatever makes you feel swamped and overwhelmed, I ask you this question. Why is it that we wait so long to ask for help? Why is it that we wait until the boat's almost going down before we ask for help? Why is it that we wait so long? The promise of Scripture is, and I, I promise you this, is that if you will read this story in a difficult moment, you can hear those words of Jesus in your storm-tossed life. It may not change the situation you're in, but it will give you the peace you need to deal with it because he will speak into your fear and say, Peace, be still. He will calm the waves. He will give you the strength and the endurance. You can count on him because he's good. But there's more to the story than just our own personal situations because Jesus really is a rebel, a troublemaker. Because being a part of the church, and the boat is a symbol for the church, being a part of the church, the church is not a luxury liner where you come and sit on a padded pew and somebody puts an umbrella in your grape juice. The church being a part of the church is called to live a courageous and faithful life that is not about our comfort, but about our faithfulness. And if you're listening to Jesus closely when you're sitting in the sanctuary or you're reading Scripture or you hear His voice, He's going to say to you what He says to the disciples again and again, let's go to the other side. You see, in the story, the other side was Gentile territory. He was calling them out of their comfort zone. He was taking them from the classroom to the lab of life. And he was teaching them about faith. Because it's in, when we put ourselves in situations where our faith is tested, that our faith is grown. And it's in those situations where our faith is tested and it's grown that we learn who he is. And so he all calls us to get in the boat with him to go to someplace new. Let me give an example, three examples. Just a few weeks ago, I was having one of the best, best days of my life. A week later, one of the worst days of my life. I'd run a race in Baton Rouge. On Wednesday, I was in a car wreck. On Thursday, I stumbled into to my dresser and got three stable fractures a broken nose, a stitch in my lip, and a neck brace. Sunday morning, the new congregation that I'm being called to serve was voting on me, and I then had to walk into this room and tell a church I loved of 17 years that I was being called to a new adventure in a neck brace with a broken nose, having been in a car accident, and a stitch in my lip, and two black eyes. That was a great week. I was in the hospital as they were, you know, testing me to make sure I was okay and laying there and thinking, oh my gosh, Jesus has called me across the lake to go to do something new and I'm excited about it. Help me, I'm drowning. And suddenly I just started laughing because I, it occurred to me 
As I thought about this story, Jesus is not going to call me to do something new in my life and then let me drown in the middle of the lake. That's not who he is. He's not going to call you to do something new in your life and take you on some big adventure and say, hey, let's go do this, let's accomplish this, let's tackle this, and then halfway there, let you sink. He's with you. He's in the boat with you. Another example. Corey Miller. Ordained today. Corey, where are you? He's with Luke. He's already heard the sermon. He's already out of the room. (laughs) Here he is. He's back there. I can see him. So today is a wonderful moment for Corey. And there's been a lot of difficult passages to get to this moment. But Corey's got 30, 40 years of ministry ahead of him, and he perhaps can't see what's ahead of him, but I can. There are going to be some difficult moments when he is tested. Moments of fear and anxiety and worry, personal and leadership-wise. There are going to be moments when he is standing at the back of a full sanctuary, and the sanctuary is full of people that are grieving Because someone they loved has died tragically and suddenly. And he is standing at the back of the sanctuary with tears in his eyes thinking, I don't know if I can do this because they are waiting on me to come and bring a word of hope. You see, Corey, you're called to preach the truth and not called to be popular. We are called to be compassionate and faithful, not popular. And sometimes to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ crowds will thin because Jesus is inclusive and welcoming to all people. And so my word to you, Corey, is in this 30-year journey, 40-year journey, however long your journey is in ministry of serving the church as an ordained minister, he's not going to let you drown in the middle of the lake. Be faithful and hold on and call on him because he's in the boat with you. Third example. In 2016, our elders made a very courageous decision, which was the right decision for our church. But it, in our world today, is not always a popular decision. We made a decision as a group of elders to be courageous. And our elders made a decision that our church would open marriage to all people. That we decided it was consistent with our core values. There was a lot of prayer that went into that decision. We knew that after that decision was made, there were going to be some difficult passages for our church. And there were. But he didn't lead us down this path to be the church that we are today, this inclusive, radically welcoming church that so, so embodies the love of Jesus for all people to let us drown in the middle of the lake. He has called this church to be compassionate and to be faithful. And sometimes that means that he's going to lead us to places that are dangerous and are scary. The church of Jesus Christ is not a luxury liner where you show up to sit on a padded pew and Jesus waits on you hand and foot with a towel over his arm to put an umbrella in your drink. He's called you to live a courageous and faithful life, to live in a dangerous world, that it is a dangerous and difficult time to be the church in a world that's so divided and so hate-filled, and that you and pimps Jesus, pimps Jesus for their own personal benefit and welfare and turns them into a cruel caricature of their own hatred. The church of Jesus Christ has to be better than that. We have to rise above that. We have to to love people the way that Jesus loved people. Jesus stops a storm 
Jesus calls us across the sea. But if you want to be the church of Jesus Christ in the world today, you can't take an Uber. Uber. 